Welcome to the Wizard of Whiskey podcast, the podcast dedicated to the hedonist lifestyle. This is my second episode, part two of Damiani Wine Cellars. Me and the guys taste through the Rieslings. In this episode, Phil had to step away, but he was there in spirit. Tasting through these Rieslings, all from the Finger Lakes, was an exceptional experience, and this entire series has made me think that maybe New York got it right. Here are the Rieslings. All right, so guys, feel free to talk about Phil while he's gone. Um, that's totally that's totally allowed. Oh, he knows everything I think about him. <laughs> oh, okay, good. <laughs> I was just going to interject that um, our love affair with Pinot has extended now to our latest addition to the portfolio, which is very recent, and that is our dry rosé, which is 100% Pinot-based. So... Um, was yet another another uh, addition to our attempt to limit our. Um, okay, I am a huge fan of Pinot Noir Rosé. My only concern is that it looks like Kool Aid, um, which is what what happens when these guys are over extracting, and they're just macerating way too long uh, to go for the mouthfeel. Um, so you guys aren't. I'm assuming, based off what I've tasted. So far, you guys are doing it the right way. Um, well, we unfortunately, it's also a very limited production at this point, so um, we'll probably be sold out before the summer season really hits, which is where it's really best to drink. But oh well, that's just oh well. We we ended up making about 200 cases, and we've more than half of it already. So it's what it's been released for a month. Yeah. 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 So obviously we underestimated Under the demand. <laughs> Under a month. Yeah. So, so. good problem to have. Yeah. So maybe next time right. you the rose. <clears throat> Absolutely. And add add five instead of four. Yeah, no rose. We only did. Uh, I I I hear your criticism of you know over extracting, but I. I feel like people are going for color because honestly, like pe- people can say they don't care about color in rosé, but they're liars. As soon as they yes. see a rosé with crazy color, they go all gaga. And these yeah. are, I've seen it happen with professionals in the industry for more than a decade who on the one hand say, oh, rosé doesn't matter. And then two weeks later, they bring me a rosé and say, law, just check out this color. And I yes. just laugh quietly to myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I do not need my rosé to be neon. Right. I need it to taste. I need it to taste good. I need it to be crisp. I need it to be clean. Yep. Uh, you know, give give me what the grape's supposed to taste like. Don't give me Pinot Noir, and I'm tasting it, and it tastes like rosé of Zen or rosé of Syrah, which I have had. I'm like, how how are you extracting this much flavor out of these Pinots? Uh, and this much color to make it look like, uh, you know, strawberry Kool-Aid. Uh, just, 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 just make it good, you know. 
Uh, all right, on to I've got uh, looks like I've got the Davis uh, dry Riesling here, 2012. All right. We've been enjoying the Pinot so much we're a little behind schedule. We got open. We got to pull some corks. Hey, I'm uh, I'm gonna be enjoying those for the next weekend. Uh, you know, for for this weekend for sure. Um, yeah, if it's all to you, absolutely. we'll just keep drinking Pinot. You can drink Riesling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so funny because uh, it's an ongoing thing. I personally love Riesling. Um, still a little less enamored of it, but he's done a spectacular job producing Riesling, even though it's not his favorite varietal, and even though he has German descent. He's a German uh, ancestry. Self-hating German. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know. They're worst, worst problems to have. Uh, yeah. Finger Lakes is well known for Riesling, and we produce two Rieslings, a dry, single vineyard expression from Phil's Vineyard, the Davis dry Riesling, and our semi-dry, which is mostly Davis, but sometimes contains other Riesling as well. Okay. So we'll start with the dry. Well, yeah. yeah. Wow. I thought it was a 10 from the, from the uh, nose. Yeah, isn't that that's really popping? You know, it's funny. We, we put aside dry Riesling and semi-dry for our cellar. It's one of the whites that does actually develop beautifully with a little bit of bottle age. So the 12's really starting to hum now. It's got the aromatics are really popping out of the glass out now. Still an elegant and delicate uh, reason, but uh, yeah, I love our our expression. I see the same thing. more freshness still to it. It's uh, it is yeah that. Uh, Would we do that here? That apparently. So. All right. Um. <laughs> who wants to Who wants to tell me about this reasoning? Um, well, we, uh, it's funny, we're, uh, we're not so much a white house, which is unusual in the Finger Lakes. Um, we, like Phil said in the blurb about the winery earlier, um, they wanted to make the wines they wanted to drink, which was honestly mostly reds and Chardonnay and sparkling. Um, Riesling is something we've gotten into almost kicking and screaming. Um, but we've, we've got enough vineyards of Riesling that we're producing more than just about any other white we make. And that gives us the opportunity to play around a little more. So I'll be honest, Riesling is not my favorite grape as Glenn said. Um, but it does give me more, opportunity to experiment than many of the other whites because I have, this year for example, I have six tanks of it. So I get to experiment six times. So with this uh, 2012, you know, we, for the past, well, since about 2010, when we make Riesling, we make four to five different tanks of Riesling and each one sees a different treatment. And then when the dust settles from harvest, I've got four or five different uh, colors on my palette wheel 
that I can play with in different proportions. And, you know, I do, I, I don't pretend to know which tanks are going to be the dry Riesling during harvest. I have ideas based on uh, where these vineyards have gone in previous years and where um, the yeasts I'm using will take them. But really, it's not until we get into our third and fourth blending trials that we really start to develop that picture. So on the one hand, it's not my favorite grape, but on the other hand, because it's not my favorite grape, I have to struggle with it more than with nearly any of the other ones we make. And in that struggle and that constant second guessing of the decisions we've made, we actually have ended up with something pretty nice. Or at least something that we can tolerate. <laughs> I think you're underselling nice. yourself here. I always undersell myself. I, I think I, I'm self-hating you know, in every way. <laughs> but you know, the thing is, is we, we we can't deny Mother Nature. Okay. Mother Nature, with our growing conditions here and the soils that we have, you know, riesling makes sense. Mm -hmm. And um, I think you're underselling yourself because I think our rieslings and like. I was telling Justin earlier, and you all know, I've traveled this trail for 20 years, bringing New York wines back to New York City. And uh, Riesling has always been, you know, the front runner. Mm -hmm. And I think our Riesling shoulders right up there with the best ones that are being made here in the Finger Lake. Nice. Um... <clears throat> So what I got from from the from the 2012 um, Riesling, I got a lot of lush stone fruit, definitely some peach, some apricot, um, a little bit of pear. Um, I like the mouthfeel on that; it's kind of full and not incredibly super dry, which I feel a lot of people do with Riesling, just because they're afraid people are going to assume it's sweet, which they do, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's nice; it's very well balanced. Um, it's clean, not clawing, um, <clears throat> but it's it's very, very drinkable. Um, and I like that it's almost what, two and a half years old, and it's, it's drinking very well. And I think it could probably last another maybe four or five years um, before. Um, I think that would be interesting to see, to, to see the development of the, the flavors. You mentioned that not to not too dry and not too cloying. And I think, I mean, that, that speaks very much to, uh, the winemaking mentality, uh, that I try and bring to these wines, which is, um, always trying to maintain balance. Uh, we don't want anything to be heavy in, in, in any one particular direction. We're really trying to, you know, we, we don't want you to be overwhelmed with acid or tannin or, anything but fruit really we're, we're really trying to bring bring fruit to the forefront of the game and you know i i say fruit in a general sense i don't you know because stone fruit plays into that and you know minerality and floral aspects as well but um the the sugar is there to support that the acidity is there to support that you shouldn't be overwhelmed with those you should those should be support pillars in bringing you the flavor. And so, yeah, anyway, trying to maintain balance. That's Very well done. Thank you. 
Alright. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the semi-dry. Mm-hmm. I love this wine. Me too. Oh. You know, the other thing I was going to mention about the dry reasoning before we pass on to the semi-dry is a lot of people pull a Riesling out of the refrigerator cold at 40 degrees or whatever that is. Yeah. Um, the dry Riesling is really much better at a higher temperature. Yeah. So in the 55 cellar temperature, basically. Because I think it brings out a little bit more of the aromatics, a little more of the balance. Every wine, of course, has its perfect temperature, and yet I think most Riesling drinkers in particular consider uh, they, they pour, probably pour it a little too cold. The dry, I would encourage people to serve a little warmer, 55, 65. Anyways, yeah, that's... I find that's a problem with most white wine drinkers in general is that they, they chill the hell out of their wines thinking that they're supposed to be that way and they open it right away um, and then start drinking it right away. Um, yeah, and then you go to the semi-dry. Semi-dry could be a little more chilled. That's a general rule with you know the, the sweeter wine, a little more cool helps. The dry, for sure, I, I like it. A little warmer than the average. So we got a big difference here between the dry and the semi. Uh, obviously, we got one year difference, but um, and I'm not talking about the sugar either. Uh, the the biggest difference that I can point to is um, first thing I smelled in this was just boatloads of fruit, tropical citrus, stone, all of it. And um, that's, you know, stylistic in approach. Um, the the dry, um, <laughs> if Phil Davis was still here, and now we can talk about him behind his back, um, Davis likes uh, a bit of a more austere style across the board in his lines. So um, when when we're putting a vineyard designate for him on there, I have in my mindset, let's make this in a more austere style, hence the Davis dry Riesling. The semi-dry Riesling, this is, the the idea is to be a more of a, a big fruit forward, open, juicy animal. So that that's the mentality going into it. But, you know, like I said, best laid plans. <laughs> yes. All have to bow to what Harvest does. Absolutely. Um, as as far as semi dry rieslings go, um, again, pretty well balanced, decently austere. Um, I, I got you know some tropical notes on the on the uh, on the nose. I got a little bit of kiwi, but what I got on the palate was like baked pear, and I really I really like that. Um, you know that kind of you know. Hot pear pie. I don't even know if that's a thing, but um, sounds delicious, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, honestly, in tasting this, I, I wish it was a hair drier, um, but we're, <laughs> in addition to being a red wine house primarily, we're a dry wine house primarily, so we kind of like, we kind of like to go dry even on the things that are off dry, so I, I'm liking this wine, but at the same time, like, uh, just a shade drier, and it would be something I'd be personally a touch more excited about but i think it's i think it is well balanced i think for the it's carrying quite a bit of acid so it does need that sugar to make the acid play nice um yeah just speaking from my own personal palate yeah i'd uh i'd like to see this with uh with something I don't know. I'm thinking something Mediterranean. I'd love to. I'd love to see this with some sardines, or, or even just you know, lightly dusted or, or and fried uh, vegetables. I, I I think I would. That would be really nice with this. So, it's really nice. Certainly would be fishy. So. All right. Um. So that's it for the wines that are opened. Um. I think we've got I think we've got enough. What I'm going to do is I'm going to separate this out actually into two separate podcast episodes. That's why I had you guys introduce yourselves twice. I'm going to split it up a little bit, um, and I'll do I'll put a, a post two episodes, um, one where we discuss um, the sparklings um, and the history of of, of the, the winery, and then. Um, you know, we'll we'll jump into uh, the Pinots and the Rieslings um, on the on the second episode. So how does that sound? Sure. I just I just make wine. I'm not a podcaster. <laughs> okay. um, yeah. If you're interested in doing this again to complete the Cab Francs, fine. We can try and I'll try and round up who I can. Uh, it'd be fun to do that. Cabernet is one of the hallmarks on the red side of the Finger Lakes. So, as we spoke earlier about that, um, we can get Lou here. He wasn't able to make it today, but um, might be able to get him for the Cabernet discussion if you want to go that way. Okay. Um, yeah. Let me let me see what the schedule looks like, and I'll see if I can't put something together. Um, Either late, uh, well, actually, it's, it is already late April, but uh, um, mid March. Uh, what is what is the? It's May, mid May. I keep saying March, um, mid May. Uh, and uh, so what's that? I mean, I'm thinking. Also, I'm, I'm reflecting on how you are a fan of laying wine down for a little while to see how it expresses. So we've got the vertical ahead of us, and that could be a lot of fun. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, unless you guys have time now. I know you guys said you had a party, and it's what about four thirty there now, or yeah, it's four thirty. Yeah. Um, let's uh, in that case, let's we'll change back some emails and see if we can't find another date to do the uh, to do the Cap Franks. Um, I'd, I'd like to do that because we've got four here. Um, um, I think that'd be a, a fun show. Great. Well, I'll round up some people. You can round up some people, and we'll drink a bunch of wine. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop off some of the open bottles to uh, um, 
I'm trying to get in my good, the good graces of the people here at the the condo area, um, the you know the, the office people. So every now and then after I do one of these, and I I can't possibly drink, you know, eight or nine bottles in a weekend. So plus I I do a lot of spirit stuff too. So I've got 46 whiskeys behind me that I've got to get through in the next week or so. So um, <clears throat> so I'll definitely drop some of these off and. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, it must be tough, you know? <laughs> the whiskey will it's a, <laughs> it's a rough, rough life, i got to tell you guys. Um, 